0: They can talk to other people who have addiction in their family, or they can just listen to other people who have addiction in their family, and they can understand, oh, my gosh, this, like, other people have this in their family, too? You're listening to Fuel Radio, inspiration and training to fuel your day. Now, here's your host, Rod Jans.
1: Hi, welcome to Fuel Radio. On the line with me today is Jeff Jones. He's a therapist, and he has started an organization or a company called the Family Recovery Solution, uh, Addiction Navigation for Families. And Jeff and I met at a conference recently, and when I heard what he was doing and I heard his pitch, uh, he was someone that I wanted to talk to some more. So I won't go into his uh, introduction more than that, in the process of our of our uh, interview, I'm sure he will introduce himself. So, welcome to Fuel Radio, Jeff. Well, thank
0: you, thank you very much, Rod. I appreciate it.
1: It's great to have you here. And I understand from our talk, as we were uh, getting ready for this, that you're working from home and you're doing a lot of stuff online. I I only briefly had a chance to to uh, to look into that, but sure. You know, take us take us back to the beginning and just your own story. How did you get into this, and and how did you start what you're doing right now?
0: Yeah, great. So I got my master's degree in counseling in 2006, and when I got that, it's like I really looked at my situation, like what do I want to do with this degree? What's because there was so many different things that were possible. And even just going into private practice or something, there's the potential to be a generalist with, you know, there's so many different areas to specialize in. And I was more interested in, you know, what's really important to me, what, what, what can I really focus on and um, go deep with. And so with that, you know, probably like a lot of people, I looked at my own family. And when I looked at my family, um, there was addiction in the history. And so really that's what inspired this whole thing, because there was addiction in my family and it kind of trickled down to me. Um, So I had my drug and alcohol times, but I don't really have horrific stories, but when I became a therapist, I really learned more about like how my mother's father, my grandfather who showered more love and attention upon me when I was like seven, eight, nine years old, how that was kind of a transmission in psychobabble terms, what's called intergenerational transmission of him passing to me the role of carrying the grief and pain for the family, you know, with carrying grief and pain, that's not mine. How does a person deal with that pain? And guess what? Drugs and alcohol or, or any refined process and the day, the era we live in, there are a lot of refined processes that we can, that can become more addictive. So, I did that, but when I, w- I I was a therapist for me to see this trickle down and really start to understand the trauma between my mother and my grandfather and then kind of the relationship that I had with my mother and how certain times she would kind of contract and um, every, the whole family needed to orient around her it was her 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 way or no way kind of thing, and as a child, it was mom's way. For me to really start to understand these patterns, I got to see more how the impact from addiction affects families over generations, and I dove into that once I became a therapist. So being a therapist, I saw more, more about families. I learned about an invitational intervention model. I saw some challenges there. One of the biggest ones is that the family stays focused on that one person. And the whole family patterns, the structure that I was talking about in my own family, that kind of gets missed. Mm -hmm. There's some good family programs out there that treatment centers have once someone gets into treatment and the family wants to go to a family program, but even those family programs are like a long weekend or something. And then the family is expected to all these, these years of trickle down and stuff. They're expected to learn stuff in three days and go and change it and make it all better. And change takes a long time. And I'm, You know, I'm raising my hand there because I've had changes that I've had to make that just take a long time. And so when I put this whole thing online and wrapped a very user-friendly community around it, I kind of created options for family members to anonymously come into this, learn some things at their own pace, slowly share information with other people in the family, and have like-minded people in the community. I have two community chats a week to where people can, you know, li- listen to information that I put out or ask questions. So there's there's a lot of opportunities that I have here and kind of um, opportunities for families to Start a change process really at any stage of addiction, so thank you for asking the question I, <laughs> that's I, cool
1: there's There's a lot to unpack there now
0: <laughs> oh my God I wish I could be more concise rod but, oh my
1: god that's all right well let's let's break it down a little bit i I want to eventually get to uh, maybe some advice or tips that you have for people that uh are part of a family where there is addiction. Let's do that towards the end. Let's let's talk a little bit more about your your journey. Did you start I'm really fascinated with how you're doing this online. I want to get to that in a sec, but when you first started your practice, uh were you doing the typical office thing and helping people that would <laughs> would show up and come and see you uh in an office? Is that how you started out? Yes, sir. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, how did you transition into doing this online? Just describe that process for us.
0: Sure. Yeah. So initially I was seeing individual clients and, you know, therapy paperwork, which is a disclosure and, um, which essentially says once I sign that disclosure, they are my client and I can't really talk to anybody else unless they sign a release of information. Um, And I would have clients coming in and then once they became my individual client and, and they started telling me like why they came in and I started learning more about their family I, I, I wanted to supply resources. Like I had years ago, I had a client come in a woman whose husband was a medical doctor. They had three children and her husband, part of his job was talking to patients at the end of the day on, on the telephone and he would be drinking and he would do that for years. And it got to a point to where he was living in the basement and she was like going out of her mind trying to manage that situation. And after she came to me like several times individually, one time she just showed up with her husband, Mm -hmm. surprised to me and Mm -hmm. expected me to convince him to see the problem that he had caused and that he should go into treatment. So situations like that, then learning intervention, working with families, and so many intervention processes, they're focused on that one person, like the goal is to get that one person into treatment or to get them help or uh, psychiatric evaluation or, or whatever. And then once that happens, oftentimes the interventionist kind of goes away and the family is left with the the same thinking, the same stories, the same understanding of what's going on, how it got that way and what they can do Mm. to deal with the external stuff that's going on around them, the internal stuff, the impact to them. You know how to stay connected as a family. So oftentimes, in in when someone goes to treatment, part of what they they do, they come back into the family, draw a strong boundary, and and the family is is really kind of confused and going, oh my God, everything we've done for you, and now you're pushing us away, and they don't really see the larger pattern. So I've created a visual of this, which I call the spotlight diagram, which is on my website and I talk about that. And just creating a visual helps families to kind of see this invisible trance-like pattern that happens in families really with everybody trying to do their best. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: part of what the family can do is start, they can start to make changes to change this structure where the structure of the family becomes stronger and you know the family has more of a strength-based role in solutions
1: so So one one of the things I hear you saying is like that woman that brought you her husband she was bringing you hoping she was bringing him to you hoping that you would cure him right like help him realize all the things that he's done wrong and and fix him (laughs) and it, it, it what I hear you saying is it takes some Ongoing support and education. It 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 rarely rarely is someone helped with addiction overnight because the the uh, the issues and everything are so deep seated that the expectation for someone to be cured <laughs> in one conversation is is really a, a really a pipe dream, right? It just takes yeah. some on, It takes ongoing support is one of the main things I hear you say.
0: Yeah, and and so one thing that I. Have really tried to do is to make this um, strength-based and to come at it with a new thinking process because family members feel shame they feel it's their fault they're isolated they're scared and one of the things that I've tried to do is to frame it differently um, and to frame it more as a river trip which mm. is kind of like, hey, if we were going to go on a long river trip together, for instance, like a Grand Canyon trip, we wouldn't show up with just a water bottle or a sandwich. We <laughs> we would at least bring life jackets,
1: kind mm-hmm. of thing, and, and plan some meals and and. Uh
0: plan some meals and dress
1: accordingly and and, yeah learn skills exactly yeah
0: how to work together and have a safety talk and have the right equipment like a repair kit in case something happened to the boat you know a sat phone to call for help if we needed help
1: yeah tools right all kinds of tools tools, and
0: yeah tools skills Yeah, communication together would be a team and by the time we get like 179 miles down the river on the Colorado River to Lava Falls the largest navigable waterway in North America it's like we're we're going to be prepared and Mm -hmm. if we flip we're going to know what to do if there's a relapse we're going to know
1: what to do right great analogy yeah so you prepare and then if the rapids hit, you, you, have, you have the tools, the skills to, to navigate that.
0: Yeah, and the whole <laughs> online part of this.
1: Yeah, tell it, us more about that.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, several years ago, I created a three-phase program. I, I was doing face-to-face with families. And I really saw, w- one, some wonderful things that I was doing and, and could do But when I put it online, there were things that I learned that I could do that I was not able to do face-to-face. And then having a community, it's like people could – they can talk to other people who have addiction in their family, or they can just listen to other people who have addiction in their family, and they can understand, oh, my gosh, this – like. Other people have this in their family, too, mm. and I'm, I mean, the statistics are staggering. You know, many people have addiction in their family, and Secrets, and I'm raising my hand, Secrets is huge in families, and that's kind of like the family that I grew up in, but it's like what I really try to let people know is this is not your shame, kind of thing. The shame comes from the culture, the trauma comes from the culture and it trickles down. And because this problem isn't really dealt with adequately in the culture, I mean, the culture is designed to, for business, you know, um, the culture Mm -hmm. is not in the business of solving the addiction problem. So the problem falls to families and they do the very best they can so when people come together they can go through a process of slowly getting more comfortable building trust initially they can come in and anonymously and use like an alias but they can get to a point where they start communicating with other people there's three chat rooms in there People can chat with one another. It isn't like all communication goes through me. So that's the first level of membership, the community. And, and that's like $45 a month for the whole family. And then there's other levels of membership, which a family can work together as a family, like a family can heal together kind yeah. of. Thing.
1: Cool. I I have a question. Help me. You mentioned shame and T- just talk a little bit about that. Maybe that's a – we're not quite at the tip <laughs> section of the interview yet, but it's actually a personal thing for me right now, something that I'm exploring. Sure. I'm exploring my own shame. I'm reading a judgment – I'm reading a book right now about shame and judgment, and, uh, man, I, I didn't realize how active my own inner critic is. Yeah. And uh, I can see it um, – Just, just, first of all, how does the whole cycle work for – for addicts and for families? And then uh, yeah maybe just give us a tip on how to how to deal with it. <laughs> What's the solution? Yeah. So, boy. R-
0: r- I know rather, it's a
1: huge question. I know. <laughs> that is
0: a huge question. And there's yeah. numerous books written ab- about shame. And actually, the woman who right now is on the forefront of shame is Brene Brown. And she has some she has some great books out, she has some TED Talks, a lot of videos on, online. Um, but essentially, the essence of the shame process with addiction is for the individual with addiction, you know, they may get up in the morning and if they, essentially with shame, or blame, really, it, it is directed internally or it is directed at something outside of us. And if it's directed internally, then th- that blaming self is like shaming self. So, you know, say if I'm in the role of the individual with addiction, I um, get drunk, I pass out, sleep, get up in the morning and I feel terrible and I'm going, oh my God, I'm never gonna do that again. And I don't wanna do that again. And then I start to feel a little bit better and 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 eventually think like, wait a minute, I got this. I got it, we're gonna be good here. And then later on in the day, you know, maybe several hours later, I'm thinking, well, you know, it probably, it, it's like, just having one drink, that'd be okay. And so like our self-talk, the, the, like our, the messages that we tell our, our, our self change. And eventually I go back to, well, just this, this, this one time I do it and wow, that really feels good. And if I, if this feels good, if I have two or three more, I'm going to feel that much better. And I'm going to, you know have that much more fun at this gathering with these people that i'm with or something so there's this cycle that just goes round and round for the individual with the addiction and then for the family member the the family members kind of have their own cycle that's similar to that But they don't mitigate that cycle with, for instance, like drinking, whatever the addiction is about. They Mm -hmm. mitigate that cycle by going into a coping role in this visual diagram that I call the spotlight diagram that's on my website. I talk about that a lot more, but essentially they go into a role and that role is to help them deal with manage cope with the problem outside of them whether it's blaming that person or whether it is trying to help or fix the situation or that person but their kind of default in this shame process is they feel the shame and they feel that they think it's theirs Mm. They personalize it. They don't really realize this trickle down and that there's this impersonal pattern kind of a cloud around them. And then that becomes a part of their identification, Mm. you know, of who they think they are. And it's, it's like that kind of thinking reinforces old beliefs and, and it's narrow, narrow thinking. Like, you know, I've tried this, I've tried that. There really is nothing else I can do. I'm helpless here. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can't do anything. Or, you know, if, if I'm in a relationship with someone who's the individual with addiction, you know, maybe I can leave them. Maybe I can divorce them or, or maybe I can't, you know? So yeah. the shame process, it, it it's, it's complicated. It's different for different people in, in, in the family, but the bottom line is that family members are kind of, they have coping processes, roles that they come back to, one, to try to cope with the problem outside them, and then also to manage their own nervous system what's going on inside of them and then deal with their own self-talk. Like, so there's a lot of different things going on. There are no silver bullets here. Mm. And, you know, the whole idea like this service delivery model and making it a community really, and making it very low price allows people to kind of, go through an incremental process of trust building and really be curious and trust that curiosity, but, but to still have boundaries to where like, I'm not just gonna you know sign up for this community, go to this chat tonight and start sharing everything about me. So I've really tried to set it up to where the structure of the community r- really models healthy boundaries healthy communication and a structure actually that a family can implement when they learn it, that they can implement pieces of it that make sense to them into their own family.
1: Do you think doing this type of program online actually helps people? Like if they're, if they're steeped in shame, maybe coming in, like you said, they can come in anonymously at first, if they want, they can share as much as they want. It's not like they're sitting in a circle and the pressure is there to share, it sounds like they can open up as they, as much as they feel comfortable with. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. And the other thing that I want to say here is this online process isn't like one service solves all the problems. Like Mm. I am a big proponent of teamwork and collaboration and, you know, multiple resources
1: This is just one tool in the toolbox (laughs) for the trip down the river. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in the community, I'm talking like if, if someone wants to get a therapist, I'm talking about, well, so what are some criteria that someone could have to really find a good therapist for you? Or if someone wants an interventionist, same kind of thing, or like try to help people find whatever resources are appropriate for them. So Like this um, program that I have that a family can do together, it is unique. It is a way for the whole family to heal together. But not every family is going to be ready for that at the stage they're at or even ever want to do that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, actually on my website under resources, under podcast is probably 30 some interviews that I did with other people where I'm highlighting kind of like what you're doing here with me, Mm -hmm. highlighting my service and all. I have about 30 podcasts or interviews on there that people can listen to of other people's resources. So that's what I'm trying to do in the community.
1: Great. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit just even about your own, lifestyle are you are you still seeing people one-on-one or are you putting all your time and effort into the uh the online community
0: no i still have a small private practice i have a home office so i do see people one-on-one yeah. but that that is not the majority of how i spend my hours
1: mm-hmm. the majority of your hours are spent with the with the online community and, and working on that yeah yeah exactly yeah. great um, one of the uh, it sounds like you're you fit into this Wi Fi lifestyle that we're talking about on our program, <laughs> and uh, the Wi Fi lifestyle is basically uh, you know, free to work where you want, uh, when you want, choosing your clients, and making as much money as you want. And then I've also added, I, I haven't put it on the website yet, but just being as generous as you want as well.
0: Yeah, so, thank
1: you. <laughs> so, how does what resonates with you as far as a Wi-Fi lifestyle is concerned? It sounds like you're living it. You're, you're working from home. You're working online. Yeah. Uh, you, ha- you have quite a bit of freedom.
0: Right. I I mean, the. I think right now I'm at the front end of that process. And I'm sure. realizing that I could really, um, you know, be moving around more. Um, And have more of that Wi-Fi kind of lifestyle. And so right now it's all from my home, but um, you know, the beauty of it is like, so I live in Colorado and and just earlier this week, we had a whiteout. We had like three inches of snow kind of thing. (laughs) Well, and I, and I'm not going out of my house. The majority of stuff that I'm doing is either on the phone or online. And I think that day I had two face-to-face clients, one who canceled because of the snow yeah. um, and the other who didn't. So I'm kind of like, I have right now I have a foot in both worlds.
1: Sure. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the Wi Fi lifestyle as well. Like, um, you know, today I'm going to be out meeting people and face to face, and not not entirely online at all. I have meetings back to back where I'm going to be uh, having yeah. coffee coffee with people. And we went to the, that conference, which was incredibly powerful to oh my be gosh able be able to sit and visit with people and and yeah. network. So yeah, it's not all about it's not all about living and doing everything entirely online. Right. Of, cor- of course, there's going to be a mix, right? And are are you in California? No, I'm in Vancouver, Canada. You're in Vancouver, okay? Yeah. yeah.
0: Great. So, one of my um, addiction mentors is from Vancouver. He's a medical doctor, Doctor yeah. Gabor Mate. You bet. I yeah, I'm
1: very familiar with him. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. I I just have huge amounts of respect for his perspective and the way he has continuously put that out into the world over years. I first learned about him in 2006, Mm -hmm. really. And I had to get his, um, the book book on addiction in the realm of the hungry ghost, close encounters with addiction. I had to get that book from a Canadian publisher in in 2006. And now he's huge. Yeah, yeah. In the U.S.,
1: and his approach is more that uh, you know it's not a moral crisis or anything like that. This is a this is a health issue. It's not uh, correct. Is that that's sort of his perspective on it? And uh, then, that that's and
0: then, part of his perspective. He yeah. he really points to trauma.
1: Trauma, and right? Okay.
0: He talks about like um, largely. I think one of the comments that he that he makes is all drug and in, injection addiction trauma un- underlies that so that's intense addiction but mm-hmm. and i'm not sure i would go to the extent of saying under all addiction is trauma but i mean heck we live in a culture where if it's like if we look at trauma on a continuum stress to trauma we live in a pretty stressful culture and people can get traumatized in like small t trauma and multiple times of that can it's like then how do we deal with that trauma how do we how do we deal with that pain and you know drugs and alcohol um take it away bingo yeah Yeah. so for sure
1: good i know i know we're jumping back and forth between uh recovery and business but i have a just a i want to there's a couple of questions that I, I like to ask all my guests. And, and one of them is uh, what's a way in which you're working smarter instead of harder? Like, can you think of a way that you are, <laughs> are leveraging your time? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so in the deep community on Wednesdays, I have a chat that I do a topic that I bring in. And so what i have started to do is and so that's like a you know 45 minute and hour long talk and if people have comments they can comment on that but but the topic from that i've started to use that topic and just from that conference that we went to rod i mm-hmm. realized hey i can be doing little five minute little recordings whether I call that a podcast or what I call that. Yeah. So to use that topic that I put out in the deep community, the essence of it in a very short recording, and then use that same topic into a blog article. Right. And, um, and sometimes even use that same topic into like a Facebook live video or something like, like that to where I can break down the message like in the community, I go in really, really deep to the message, but then I can break it down in, in smaller ways to be getting that out there. Be, so that's how I'm trying to work smarter and save my time. And really what I've done here, this community can be duplicated over and over. There can be a hundred or couple hundred people in a community So there's really potential here for other people to be able to do this. And um, the shift, the whole focus of addiction from just one person to, Hey, there's a whole context here. There's a family. They're the largest stakeholders. They can actually learn to move into a more strength-based role and to take actions and be a bigger part of the solution. And being able to duplicate the community. It's um, there's just a huge amount of potential. So I'm on the front end of some of the, the, the questions that you're asking me
1: here. No, excellent. And what's your deeper why? Like, why are you doing what you're doing?
0: Well, you know, one is it goes back to my own story and seeing how my mother was, there were things that she would not talk about Mm. even 10 years ago. And she took to her grave and actually then me seeing kind of how that trickled down to me, the impact that it had on, on me and the influence that it like limited some of my own choices. When I saw that, I real the big why for me is hey, if if this was my experience and addiction was not like this huge horrific thing in my family of origin that it is for so many people, wow, they're like, this has a big impact and families are being missed. Like for families to heal, they have to do their own individual work. Al-Anon, I love Al-Anon. I think Al-Anon's great. Mm-hmm. That's like one person at a time goes to Al-Anon. One person in the family at a time goes there. Or to go into individual therapy or something, great. Right. You know, that's individual work. Right. But the the whole system kind of understanding and seeing a bigger picture and, you know, making decisions on what they want to do differently. Like there's not a lot of that out there. And what I have here is pretty low cost and an opportunity for people to kind of come in and connect with their own strength, their own wisdom, their own resources to once they see a larger picture, to start making changes for themselves and, and, and decide, like, do I want to see a therapist? No. Do I want to see a coach? Do I want to, you know, change my career from this to this? Do I want to do some things differently in my life? So I think there's a huge amount of potential for people to make transformation and we need more people in our world who are living from their, their purpose. Um, so, mm-hmm. I'm 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 passionate about the why rod.
1: Great. You've been doing this for a while and I know that you're you pre, you have confidentiality rules, <laughs> but can you share with us a story obviously without you know giving away who the person is uh, of somebody that you've worked with that has uh, or a family even that has undergone a a transformation? Well,
0: the most recent and like I haven't worked with this person long, but just within the last several weeks, I got a like on my website there's a thing schedule an appointment, a free 20 minutes, etc. Well, someone did that. They were a professional and I was like, "Wow, that's cool." So, you know, maybe they want to talk to me about what I'm doing and sharing it with their clients. And that was not the case. They wanted it for their 24 year old son. And so she got a membership to the deep community. The very next day, after looking at some of the videos, she commented, and I don't have a quote in front of me, but it's it's, it's something like, wow, the way I look at my situation now, the way I look at my situation in my family is different. It's transformed how I'm thinking about it, and that's like, you know, 24 hours after she got it, and since then, you know, she's been in some community chats and, et, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. that that's a very short little story. Sorry
1: yeah <laughs> and a recent one that's fantastic so i want to um just jump into our speed round our time is coming to a close here so yeah. there's a few more questions that we ask everybody all of our guests and what's a, a resource that inspires you a recent book blog video movie podcast article or person just yeah. pick one
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah so the one that i mentioned that's huge for me is who i mentioned before dr gabor mate yeah and he has hundreds of YouTube videos. One is, that I really, really like is The Human Face of Addictive Behavior. Mm. And it's about an hour-long video, but, and his book that also r- r- really transformed the way I looked at addiction, Close in, in, Encounters, uh, w- what is it, In the Realm of the Hungry Ghost, Right. Close encounters with addiction. So he's, I I bow to him, you know, <laughs> and I'm standing on his shoulders because largely, what I've created here goes along with his thinking. So, Excellent.
1: good. What's a business tool, an app, a piece of software, uh, something that's enhancing your your Wi-Fi lifestyle?
0: yeah well um, the so the deep community is a very robust platform. I about a, a year and a half ago, I connected with these guys that um, own positivity, and um, that brought my whole thing online and changed my whole thinking about the potential mm that I have been talking about here. And that is, so I'm, I'm like, my expertise is, is not technical, is not online stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you could tell or not, but that's not my expertise. So I have a team of people behind me that are supporting me doing what I'm doing. And that's huge for me. Thank you for asking
1: yeah, great. And then our final question is, uh, what's an inspiring cause or a nonprofit that you'd like to give a shout out to?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, this is really pretty easy for me, <laughs> uh, that question. So that would be um, the Betty Ford Children's Program. Mm and they focus on children from the age of seven to 12. Um, A guy by the name of Jerry Mo started this program years ago, and it is such a sweet program for children to learn about addiction in the family, and for children to be able to separate addiction from, for instance, their mommy or their daddy. Mm. And parents are so concerned about, oh my gosh, I don't want my child going there. They're 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 gonna talk about me. I'm gonna be seen as the evil one. And that's not what happens. And the they have three centers around the country. One is in Aurora, Colorado. One is in Austin, Texas, I think, and the other is in California, a little south of San Francisco, maybe. I I don't know exactly, but that program for children is transformative. And Mm -hmm. so that aligns with what I'm doing because children early on learn new skills, learn new skills for their journey. Like I talk about the river journey. Right. Kids learn new skills. Excellent. at a young age and they bring their parents in and some of the conversations they have with their parents at the end of this program, you know, mm-hmm. um, has it, just brought me to tears. So. Wow.
1: Excellent. Well, we'll put a link to that in our show notes for sure. So just to wrap things up, how can people get in touch with you and find out more about what you're doing? And And just before you share that, I just want to say, Thank you so much for joining us and and thank you for what you're doing. Uh, I think it's, it's super important. We're in the midst of, of an addiction crisis. And and I think people's awareness of it is really heightened these days. And uh, so it's fantastic that you are there uh, trying to help families and to help, help addicts. And so I just really commend you for that. Thank you for what you're doing. So yeah. How, how can people get in touch with you?
0: Yeah. First, um, you're, you're welcome. And I appreciate the opportunity to share this, Rod, and how people can get in touch with me is my website, thefamilyrecoverysolution.com. And that's all, all one word. And there's a lot of info on there. And um, there's actually a free report about the top three ways that a family member can ensure their loved one's recovery success. There's an email course that people can sign up to. And there's also a webinar that people can, can access on there to learn more about this. And they can click on um, schedule time with me and I can have a little phone conversation. So, yeah. And thank you, Rod. This was really good. Really wonderful. I, I I appreciate the connection, and you're interviewing me, and I hope this is helpful for your listeners.
1: Well, thank you. So our guest has been Jeff Jones. He's a therapist, and uh, he runs the Family Recovery Solution. And we'll have links to all of the things that we talked about today in our show notes. If you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud or somewhere else, uh, you can check us out at Fuel Radio com and again uh, Jeff's website is the family com I just encourage you if, if there's something that he has talked about today that's resonating with you that you don't wait that you go and you check that out right away. I, I went in and looked at his stuff and signed up so and I've only had a, a brief opportunity to look at it. Hope to look at it some more, but what I've seen there is uh, is, is good good stuff. So thanks again, Jeff.
0: Thank you, Rod. You've been listening to Fuel Radio.